1: You know, it's just three or four years before they start playing that at football games and seventh innings at baseball stadiums and stuff like that. But right now, it's very cool. It's uh, very bespoke. It's something that maybe you haven't heard so far. Um, Once upon a time, uh, Beyonce said, "If you like it, you should put a ring on it." Now she's taking the ring off and tossing it to the floor of a grungy looking parking garage. Uh, and the finger she's really interested in on Lemonade uh, is the third finger, not the fourth. Uh, the singer's new release takes the form of a visual album. We'll explain what that is. Uh, it's both a defiant up yours to a man we assume is Jay-Z uh, and an assertion of herself and, by extension, uh, the womanhood uh, of people around her uh, of a claim to... Well, and, and there's there, actually it, it goes in a lot of different directions, but it starts uh, at least on a very angry note and, and heads towards reconciliation uh, and redemption and... Uh, and formation. Uh, Anyway, we'll find out what else it is from this great panel we have here. We're down in New Haven in the uh, WNPR Audubon Street Studios with Mercy Quay, a freelance journalist and an activist in New Haven and the founder of the Narrative Project. She's making her debut uh, on The Nose today. We're so excited. Uh, Kate Russian is a poet, and now she's like just a veteran of The the Nose, poet, writer, and educator. Brian Slattery uh, is an arts editor for the New Haven Independent uh, and a producer at WNHH Radio. Uh, And a musician, uh, too Which is helpful, uh, I think Because we're going to spend really a (laughs) a pretty good chunk of this show Talking uh, about this uh, unusual uh, release by Beyonce It's unusual in a lot of different ways uh, Including the way in which it was released And the forms that it takes Uh, So, um, and you may not be all that familiar with it That's okay, we'll try to explain uh, what it is to you Uh, That will be our first job Uh, And so, Mercy, maybe you can uh, help us start this off It isn't really just one thing It isn't like a CD, the way Things used to be. It it is this, this little one-hour movie, and it's it takes a whole bunch of different forms.
2: Yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. Uh, At this point, I think Beyonce has defined what is um, what we understand to be a an album, right? The idea of a visual album comes from Beyonce. If you want to make a visual album, you have to top Beyonce, or at least use Beyonce as your blueprint. And um, it is in several different forms. You know, with what she's done with Formation and dropping Formation at the time of the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Dropping it on social media and then having her the Hive, the Beehive, kind of ensue right what's happening. And she did the sort of same thing here with um, Lemonade teased it the week before, Uh, she teased it, and HBO teased it, and you knew something was coming, you didn't know what it was about, and you certainly didn't know that uh, it was going to be hinting at, you know, alleged infidelity or apparent infidelity, Um, and it was beautifully done, and I think she is the standard now when, when it comes to visual albums.
1: Um, Kate Russian, while uh, geeks like me were getting excited about Game of Thrones uh, this weekend, cool people like you uh, were going. Did you go to a lemonade party? A kind of watched lemonade on HBO yeah, party? I did.
0: I did. I got invited. Uh, there were, it was a small party. There were four of us women, uh, three African American, one European descent. And uh, it was cool. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I was. My mouth dropped open. I was excited, and um, we actually watched it on tape, so we were able to stop and talk about it, mm-hmm. and people could catch up with things that they didn't quite know what was going on visually. Uh, so it was a really great event, and I'm I'm really glad to be here today to to talk about it because I think we're going to be talking about uh, Lemonade for a long time to come because I think, um, you know, she has set the bar really high. And I see the film, I see Lemonade in the context of uh black women, African American women filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And I see how Beyonce has um has played off of the work of uh Alice Walker and the color purple and uh Tony Morrison and Beloved and uh filmmakers you know, who people never have heard of, who've come and gone like Kathleen Collins and and Jackie Shear, and most uh, pointedly, Julie Dash and Daughters of the Dust. So I was really excited about that.
1: You said the film uh, Daughters of the Dust is getting kind of a revival. Partly, I think, a little bit because of this. It's going to be shown at Cannes. Uh, apparently it needs to have its colors retuned or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a big part of this. So we've still done a pretty poor job, I think, of trying to explain what this is. I will do an attempt <laughs> in, in in layman's terms and, and as best I can. But So what, what you have is this one-hour film. It really does look like a film uh, that you're watching. It looks a lot like a Terrence Malick film. It probably looks special like tree of life but uh, as Brian and others will say and and as Kate just uh, suggested it looks like other things too uh, it begins with a series of rather angry and bruised and hurt songs uh, and then there's kind of a, a middle section where uh, Beyonce or whoever this persona is begins to think about the whole question maybe a little bit differently and then ends with uh, reconciliation and redemption and, and all this stuff and 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 while you're watching this there are uh, chunks of poetry if you're if you're if you're doing the full visual album and there are lots of different formats uh there are chunks of poetry interspersed that she speaks it turns out she's very good at speaking poetry too i think she speaks mm-hmm. these and there's the little bird sounds and music boxes playing striven's uh, tchaikovsky's swan lake and all kinds of things are going on <laughs> as you're watching this these often very beautiful scenes of the south it's all in the deep south. It's either it looks like Sea Islands sometimes, sometimes it looks like Texas, sometimes it looks like Louisiana, but it's always this uh, incredibly rich, beautiful, mossy uh, south. So, uh, Brian, I know actually because of you, uh, I, I, I'm more aware of the fact that although there's something very sui generous about Beyonce and what she's doing, there's, we're also living in an era where artists, particularly African-American artists. They drop these major projects, which you don't just listen to a couple of times. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of time, yeah. kind of just getting getting with them.
3: Yeah, I mean, for I mean, as as, as any good musician is, I'm also a rabid music fan. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I keep telling people over and over again these days is that it's pop music hasn't really been this exciting for a long time. There's a, there's a great way that there are a whole bunch of artists that I, that you feel like are having a conversation with each other. You know, the the ones that, like, came immediately to mind when we were talking about the show were, you know, there's there's Beyonce and there's D'Angelo and there's Frank Ocean and there's Kendrick Lamar, and they're all kind of, like, I, it, it, it feels like a really healthy competition. It's the, like, mm-hmm. who can make the statement? Who can, like, who can say it in a way that makes everybody else go, you got it, you got it, you got it right? Mm-hmm and that sort of uh you know it's it's the kind of i think it's the kind of artistic one-offmanship that just leads to like a lot of really interesting things being produced yeah so and it's you know for everybody else it's just totally pleasurable
1: and the other thing about these projects are one thing that they all share in common, all the artists that you just talked about is they're 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 incredibly eclectic in their musical influences. Yeah. You know, I mean if you just really read, diverse there's a really 1300 word list of credits to the Beyonce album and a lot of it because has because she's sampling so many different things and going out in so many different absolutely. areas. Kendrick Lamar's "To Timba Pimba Butterfly is so reliant on on recognizable jazz tropes. Right. Um, D'Angelo's American Messiah also kind of that way and a little bit Marvin Gaze. Oh, absolutely. You you know and 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 Frank Ocean's orange all of these are they're really they're not just straight up anything they're like they're really really interested in, in yeah. a whole bunch of different things and i
3: and i love the way that they have it seems like everyone's decided that it's okay for the songs on an album to not really sound very much like each other mm-hmm. <laughs> which to me is like <laughs> a wonderful thing you know that like i love that i i think i you know i I cheered when I heard like the brass band stuff on the on <laughs> lemonade, right? Mm-hmm. Go, oh, right. great, great, great! You know, we're we're really we're really moving around some musical territory here, which is you know totally wonderful.
1: Mm. There's even a recipe for lemonade. Uh, you, get, you get to hear how to make it. So, um, <laughs> mercy. Okay, now we got to go there. We've got we've got to we've got to get and in, di- dive into this. So, one of the questions that's posed, and some people don't even think that it's much of a question, but so the first. 25 to 30 minutes of this piece is a woman talking about the incredible pain and betrayal she feels uh, about her man having side chicks having stepped out on her having uh, and it there's been this incredible as you alluded to whirlwind of stuff going on on instagram yeah. all kinds of places uh, about this but there's there's a fundamental question here right i mean is this a persona uh, talking about another persona, or is this beyonce really kind of using almost at this Olympian level of Zeus and Hera, sure. you know her her actual marriage uh, and the fact that uh, jay Z is apparently turning himself into a swan and and mounting <laughs> uh, you know various targets uh, I mean, what's going on here i mean there's a there's a big argument going on about this, right?
2: yeah, I mean, I haven't actually decided where I stand on this or or you know, I haven't figured it out for myself yet, but I think I would, um, I respect Beyoncé so much more if it's not about her own marriage, right? Mm-hmm. That it, it, it stands for something greater, right? Um, and I think spe- especially coming from like the black female perspective, what that means, right? Or if, even if you were uh, thinking about it in sense of, you know, the black community's relationship with America, mm-hmm. that's another way to think about it. And I think, um, the figurative language here, if that's what she was going for, genius. Mm. If that's not what she was going for and if it was a little bit more basic and she was talking about her, uh, you know, the ills of her imperfect marriage, that's also fine. Um,
1: couldn't it Couldn't it be all those things anyway?
2: It could be. It could be all of it. And uh, I think that's, that's what makes Lemonade so beautiful, right? Mm. You can interpret it however you want. Um, I'll admit that I felt, into the rabbit hole of gossip. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's it's hard. It's impossible not to. Yeah, I, I mean, think, at least for. You know, you, everyone gets an hour at least. Right. To, like, you
2: know. <laughs> if everyone gets an hour, then I think I'm uh, a little bit more guilty. I mean, at least. <laughs> as well. yeah. um, BuzzFeed did a piece. It, it was like everything you need to know about Beyonce's Lemonade and how the album should have been called Tea because of uh, how much gossip was actually in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and inside of it, it was, there was a video of... Um, Wendy Williams breaking down all the rumors over the years um the Solange Jay-Z elevator you know showdown, which was really more like a slaughter <laughs> if you you know if you watched it and um it, it's hard to tell you know was jay-Z uh cheating on her I, I don't know that it matters, right I think that alone like outside independent of that fact, this is a great piece and the beauty in it lies in the fact that you can interpret it however you want.
3: The the gossip gets particularly interesting when he himself shows up in the movie. That was was the point where you're like, all right, what's going on here? But but did he know... They've made an art project out of something. Right, right. right. But
1: but I want to know how much of the movie he'd seen before Saturday night. He he may have only seen the (laughs) scenes where he's in there [SSS1] reading Le
0: Figaro, which I didn't quite understand. Well, you know, know, Jay's uh, Beyonce has welcomed this debate because she has her family in the film. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z's in the film, Blue Ivy's in the film, uh, her parents have a cameo, mm-hmm. but still we can't forget that that the spying of the narration is based on the poetry oh, yeah. of Warsan mm-hmm. Shire. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular, she has a poem called... Um, Warsan, The Seven Stages of Loneliness, Mm -hmm. where she goes through a series of um, uh, stages dealing with grief and loss and betrayal and love and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I I think that we can't forget, it's a piece of art. It's Mm -hmm. art, it's poetry, it's music. And it's closer, I think, to fiction as a work of art than it is to yeah. biography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, sh- we should let that get obscured, that she's created this incredible piece of art drawing mm-hmm. on not only the um, musicians and songwriters, mm-hmm. but she's really tapped into kind of an international black it's intelligentsia. So right. Uh, you know, in her piece and pulling in writers and and using ideas from photographers and from literature.
1: You know, um, it's also, a course of course, a piece of commerce, and there's a lot of inter- inter- interesting things going on with that, including the fact that there was this HBO drop, and then for a while, one of the more possible places to listen to it is this thing called Tidal, which is, in fact, owned by Mr. Jay-Z himself. So this is, but they had some ex- exclusivity for a little while, I think, mm-hmm. which is sort of like, you know, Priscilla Chan doing her big takedown of Mark Zuckerberg and then making it available only on Facebook or something. I mean, it just seemed <laughs> like a, a, an unusual ar- ar- arrangement. Uh, but so th- there's been sort of, it's in, been interesting to watch. Th- these people are both very, very good business people. Mm-hmm. They're very, very smart mm-hmm. uh, and And they've done a really great job that way. One of the questions that I have about this, though, is just to go back to what we said at the beginning, Mercy, you know, because it is different things, um, I'm finding myself wondering how those things will will survive over time. I mean, I've now been through the movie or whatever we want to call it a couple of times. I'm probably not going to watch that movie a lot more times. But obviously, I'm going to listen to the music. So on the way down in the car, I did uh, – there are so many iterations of this untitled that it's actually kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. I even wound up with the one, that, one that I didn't <laughs> want. But right. anyway, I just did it as a purely audio experience. There's an edit that doesn't have any of the poetry in it. It's mm-hmm. just song, 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 song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to think, like, how, how is this going to be? after everybody's all through watching all these beautiful, you know, mossy and, you know, sea-sprayed uh, and urban images and watching her all the smash all the windows in the cars and all this cool stuff, you know, h- how's the music going to be? Um, and actually, I was having a lot of fun with the music, at least for now.
2: Right, yeah. I got into a conversation with someone about whether uh, the music— was entertaining on its own. And I think so, right? I, I, oh, I, yeah, definitely. Right. I don't know that I, I any totally agree with you. other <laughs> song has penetrated my ears in the last <laughs> week, right? <laughs> um, I don't think that I've listened to anything else. O- on its own, independent of the actual film, it is a great piece of... Um, of art, right? Um, But I think you do have to see the film. Mm I think you, you know, instead of, you know, outside of just listening to the music, you know, once you have seen that film, you can kind of connect the meaning, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the poetry of Shire, right? Throughout every single song and sort of intertwine that into your experience. It's an experience, is what it is. We were trying mm-hmm. to pinpoint what it is at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. It's an experience, and the entire piece is an experience. The
1: next one will be a ride too. You know, right. like you get in and they, you know, put the little thing <laughs> on you and, you and you you ride through. Let's just so we're not being too abstract about this. Let's hear um, one of the cuts from the album. This is called. Uh, we're gonna have a little hear a little chunk of sorry.
4: If I know me
1: I told you about those fingers. So uh, this is, by the way, the story, the song that ends, I think, with the Becky with the good hair, uh, who is probably being hunted by assassins
0: right (laughs) now. (laughs) Whoever she meets, unfortunately, and the the Beehive has already targeted several wrong people. Yeah, poor Rachel
1: Ray, who uh, was just uh, trying to run her cooking empire and. (laughs) if she was mistaken for uh, a paramour. You know, um, Brian, one thing that I'm noticing here, and this isn't an original observation with me either, but uh, and that song wasn't maybe necessarily the best example. We'll have some other ones. But uh, one thing that I was noticing was Beyonce is a singer on this, and she's always had quite a bit of range and expressiveness as a singer. But here, she groans, she croaks, she growls, uh, she sings beautiful ballads in in the voice that we have always known her to have. I'm finding her especially expressive as a performer on this.
3: Yeah. And I actually, I, I feel like we we kind of have been seeing this coming, mm-hmm. you know, as she figures out how to do even more with, with this really spectacular voice that she has. Like her, her last album has a lot of that too. I mean, that was what, that was what, when was that 2013 or something? She does like, yeah, like Christmas yeah.
1: Of, or Christmas of twenty fourteen. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember work. that
3: being like the first. My first takeaway from that album was like, man, she can do anything with that voice she has, and she, you know, and she does. And mm. then, and this one, there's even more. I mean, it's it's, and I think that that's part of what, um, even part of what drives all the different musical styles on the album is that it makes all of those things make sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the kind of album you get to make when you can sing anything.
2: And then we to that she you know. started off in the church, right? Yeah. yeah. And I Wish. think that when we think about her groaning, right, mm-hmm. and totally. having that very, you know, epiglottal type of sound, yep. right, I think about gospel. I think <laughs> about Absolutely. her, her I don't even say humble beginnings, but her beginnings in the church and singing gospel, and then yep. um, somehow along the way refining her tone. And I think now she's kind of coming back and – you know we can expect to speculate about why, but um, it's sort of refreshing to hear sort of go back to that sound. Sure, yeah. and, and then also
3: have those like those moments where she she can sing as if she's already auto tuned, yeah. <laughs> which is really
0: cool. Yeah, I love yeah. I love that there's some country in there. Mm-hmm. I was, I was yeah. talking to uh, uh, a a professor friend of mine who's from Rutgers who's actually at. Um, who's from Houston, and she said she really related to the, uh, this is uh, Melanie Price, Professor Melanie Price, and she said she really related to the uh, southern scenes but also the country, country music. Let's actually hear a little bit of this. I think you're referring especially to the song Daddy's
1: Lesson. So that, Kate, is a really different sound. I don't think I've ever heard her sing in that vein before. I
3: love it. I think it's great. Uh, this was the moment in the movie where I was hooked. When this <laughs> oh, right. song, I, you know, I, I, I had my sort of, you know, I had my little critical brain going through the through the movie until we got to this song. And then I was like, forget it. I'm just going to really enjoy this. <laughs> Although,
1: I'll, I'll, yeah, maybe I'm alone in this, and, and, and I have a lot more listening to do before I would really sort of own this statement. But I... I actually did feel as though the first half of the music was more fun, more interesting. I won't say fun because it's about pain, it's about anger. But well, all these really you know angry songs and these songs exploring really difficult emotions and and maybe shifting a little bit into well, what's wrong with you anyway? How come at one point she says, "Why don't you want to be in heaven?" <laughs> in other words, with me. Right. Um, yeah. And and you know and then the reconciliation stuff. Although it's some of it's very pretty and and there's some of it's very anthemic somehow or other, I don't know, it didn't cook for me quite the same way, you know, and, and certainly the, the Sandcastle song, which is this lovely ballad, and she's got a wonderful voice, but she's a, you know, it's a piano ballad, and I thought, eh, I feel like I've heard that song before, and I didn't feel that way at other points.
2: Yeah, I think when um, Daddy's Lessons came on, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I had to tune in a little bit more, and I was just like, this is amazing. I'm so happy that I'm hearing this, and there's something so familiar about it to me. I mean, I, I come from a family... Uh, who I come from a Gullah family um, from the islands of Butteford, South Carolina, which is as country as it sound, sounds. And, um, <laughs> and you know, it, there's something super familiar about that feel to me. And I don't want to say hee haw, but like, you know, very honky tonk and very just uh, Southern, just Southern, right? And I, I I can't explain how familiar it was and how great of a feeling that was. And the beginning of the album, it it does feel um, personal. And this is sort of when I started to realize that this could be interpreted as a little bit more of um, the black community's relationship with the country, right? Because Mm -hmm. it starts to take Mm -hmm. this turn at some point and you kind of see that with Daddy's Lessons and you start seeing that with Freedom. And I think the later half of the album, you can start seeing that progression towards a a greater meaning outside of infidelity?
0: Well, one of the most surprising parts of the film to me uh, were the scenes of the mothers Mm. of Trayvon Martin and Eric Gardner Mm. uh, and others uh, dressed for high occasion, Mm. very solemnly and silently holding pictures of their dead son's um, Frame pictures Mm -hmm. of their dead sons before them. That caught me totally off guard, but I think it speaks to what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that clearly Beyonce is not, I would argue, is not only talking about her own personal experience, Mm -hmm. but she is talking about uh, experiences of many uh, 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 black women, African-American women, over... uh, over generations, very different experiences, but she puts the black woman at the center mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's so remarkable to me about the piece.
2: And I think uh, a parallel that I saw there was also, you know, um, the film Eve's Bayou, which the entire film comes from the perspective of the black women in the film. Um, most specifically, Eve, who is portrayed by Jeremy Smolier. And um, you know, I, I drew parallels. That was filmed in Louisiana. This is apparently filmed in Louisiana. And uh, you know the idea of the black matriarch was also present there. But then the idea of going from your father's, I'll, I'll say possession to your husband's possession. and that was um, a large part of the uh, spoken word that was, um, that you hear right before she gets into daddy's lessons, she says something to the effect of, am I talking about your father or your husband? Mm. Um, and so I think we can't forget that, right? So you're right, um, seeing all of this in the perspective of the black woman is sort of pivotal to the piece.
1: Can I ask just one more question about that too? Because I, I was, and this is a, a stretch of a comparison, but not entirely. I was thinking about uh, um, something that had run, I think on a Saturday in on HBO, maybe two weeks before Lemonade, uh, and it was Confirmation, which was about probably the the Gullah speaker that Americans know best. Uh, That would be Clarence Thomas, who grew up speaking uh, and and grew up in, in that same environment speaking that. And I remember at the time of, not the movie, but the events themselves, and also feeling that watching the movie a little bit, that, but at the time, I remember black people saying, there's a lot about this that you don't get you know mm-hmm. that you, there's a lot of things going on here that because in fact the white community often sees African Americans as almost this kind of monolithic oh you're all the black people over there <laughs> you know and and they're saying no there's like all kinds of things that you're not getting about this and i when when formation came out when the video of formation came out at the time of the super bowl i, I was watching it thinking but there's a lot I, I mean i did a lot of reading and i read about plassage and all kinds of stuff but i thought I bet you there's a lot of stuff i'm not getting you know i yeah. mean yeah
2: uh, I think you're right about formation. Um, the the idea that wearing your hair natural as a black woman is a political statement. <laughs> it's not right. It's sort of a liberating feeling, and not and you know has almost nothing to do with. Um, the effect that you want to sort of um, cause on other people, or you know what you want to draw out of other people, um, that was one thing that we see out of formation. And then um, the tribute to Malcolm X, or the perceived tribute to Malcolm X—I don't know if Beyonce has actually ever spoken on it or not. In um, the Black Panther movement, you know, with the black berets and the leather outfits—I thought it was awesome. But I think that um, <laughs> I think that you know uh, people you know, take issue with it, right? Mm-hmm. Because, but I also think that this lends itself to what you're talking a bit about um, the idea that the black community sees things with the black lens, right? Mm-hmm. And even though even though you something might be written in white ink, the mm-hmm. black community sees it with the black lens and is able to sort of navigate through that space and um, uh, translate it with their experience. Um, that
0: brings to mind another um, scene that really struck me and it was a, a, a so-called Mardi Gras Indian, all in white, oh, in a, in, yeah. a, in, a, in a in a in a dining room, mm-hmm. and 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 with a a tambourine and moving in a very ritualistic Man. way, and then later on, I was shocked to find out that this this Mardi Gras figure was one of the mothers who had lost a son. And, I, and she was holding his picture and looking yeah. at his picture, and I said, Whoa, this is a different take mm-hmm. on Mardi Gras than most of us outsiders or Are drunken to, tourists have. Yeah.
1: You know, the other thing that I wondered about was. Um, whether we would have four times as many conversations as the ones we've had this week about Lemonade had Prince not died. It feels as though, in some ways, you know, Prince, in 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 many respects, in some of the ways that you were talking about before, Brian, she's following Prince in that mixing of styles and in mixing of vocal styles. I mean, nobody had more vocal styles ever <laughs> than yeah. Prince. Uh, but, you know, it, it is sort of an odd thing. Like, here's this, I think, pretty epic, you know, Game-changing release by this, you know, by one of the foremost performers in America right now, if not kind of the queen of everything. But in a way, it's like everybody was still gulping down, you know, their sorrow and and calling up, you know, playlists and going through all that stuff.
3: Yeah, that's there. there, There's probably something to that, though. Though I always I also sort of feel like Prince has been like the one of the guiding spirits of. A lot of stuff that we hear in pop music now, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's it's, uh, I, it, it's not just that he died. I think it's it's that he's turned out to have such an enormous impact mm. with that like the, the, that incredible mixture of like spirituality and sexuality mm. that he has going. And we're is, reminded, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I mean, wore it's, my it's purple it's today, incredible ground. <laughs> You know, like it's, it's just so fertile. Um, and it's, you know, what's, you know, for, for Prince fans, it's a it's a pleasure to see that 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 has turned out to be uh, generative for other artists rather than just something where we all stand back and go, well, that's your thing and you do it amazingly. And we're going to go do this other thing.
1: We have to take a break here. Um, but, yeah, if you're still grieving for Prince, we understand. But it's also <laughs> it's time to start listening to Lemonade if you haven't done that yet. And uh, make you feel better, too. It'll make you feel better about the whole world. Uh, so we're going to go out with what are we going out with here? I can't hear you. On. Um, oh, we're going out with it. Okay, so uh, we'll come back with more of our conversation after this.
4: It's sneaking the back door. He only wants me when I'm not there. He better call Becky with the good hair. He better call Becky with the good hair.
1: In our bit. Oh, we don't have the thank yous. Okay. Um, so I'll do the thank yous. Uh, thanks to uh, – no, you're pointing somewhere else. Oh, that's right. I've, I, we had such a long first segment that I've actually gotten lost in the format of the show. Okay, so uh, we're here in New Haven. I'm disoriented anyway because we're here in the New Haven studios, and also we talked for a really long time uh, about Beyonce, but we kind of – just we just had to, and we actually all have more, more things to say, so I don't know what we'll do exactly about that, but we'll uh, – We'll put out a web extra. We'll write little essays or something. Uh, with us uh, is uh, Mercy Kwe. She is making her first appearance here on the nose. Uh, she's a freelance journalist and an activist in New Haven, the founder of the Narrative Project. Uh, Kate Russian, poet, writer, educator. Uh, with us, Brian Slattery, uh, arts editor of the New Haven Independent, and the producer uh, and a producer at WNHH Radio. So. I have to shift shift gears a little bit. Because we're in New Haven, uh, we couldn't pass up this story. Um, So people are always talking about how politicians are out of touch with normal America or, you know, the normal people in America or normal places in America. So um, one of the many quants. Uh, at uh, five thirty-eight, at five thirty-eight, which is Nate Silver's website, his name is Jed Kolko. I decided to figure out, well, what is normal America? Where is normal America? Who is normal in America? And so he writes, I calculated how demographically similar uh, each U.S. metropolitan area is to the U.S. overall, based on age, educational attainment, and race and ethnicity. uh, And then he indexed them all. And it turns out that by that measure, or those measures, the metropolitan area that looks most like the U.S. is New Haven, Connecticut, (laughs) followed by Tampa, Florida, (laughs) uh, and then Hartford, Connecticut. So uh, all of the 10 large metro areas that are demographically most similar to the U.S. overall are in the northeast, midwest, or center of the country, with the exception of Tampa. So I'm not really quite sure what to make of this information, and it's probably not Dispositive. I mean, first of all, Mercy, do you feel? Does it feel good to be normal, or yeah, I not mean,
2: be normal? I'm I, I work really hard to be normal, and <laughs> it feels good to finally be recognized. <laughs> 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 I I have all of 800 followers on Twitter, and I'm happy that you know they recognize me or can now see me as a normal person. <laughs> 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 and I, I I've always thought of myself as normal. I'm just happy that you guys are now in that number as well. Well, yeah, yeah thanks. nice.
1: Thanks for counting us it's in. Nice. Uh, by the way, you can follow her at mercy uh, underscore right now. She can have another 800 followers. There you go. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, I think there's sort of a, profo- a more profound statement here, too, which is that yeah. there's this trope that that is invoked all the time. So-and-so is out of touch with normal America, whoever it is, and and yeah. it's— it's a way of suggesting, oh, well, there's this place and it's out in the Midwest and it, you know, looks a little bit, has porches like the ones in Lemonade uh, and it's, you know, people are normal there and, and whatever. Yeah. And then, then whatever right. set of projections uh, the commentator wants to do onto that statement uh, happen. But but I don't think ever when that trope is, is invoked, anybody's thinking about a northeastern city with a big college in it and a whole bunch of funky coffee shops.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, the. I think that the way that I mean, when I read the article, like I just could not stifle my sense of like smugness, <laughs> and, you know, mostly because. Were
2: you at Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs>
4: no. Co- coffee with a K. Come on but <laughs>
3: no, You know, it was mostly that, um, you know, being a being a journalist here, I've I've been. I've been like constantly surprised at how much like what happens in this small city seems to resonate with other places. Mm. Mm. Like when I go, when I go other places, I feel like I understand them better because I understand where I live better. And you know, that sort of you know, vague, totally subjective thing. um, It's nice to see that like that there may actually be something there and it's not just me like hopefully projecting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you know, my my sense of what I think I understand.
0: <laughs> Kate, give me your reaction. You know, when I hear terms like normal America, <laughs> I think that uh, people are conjuring up images that we've gotten from old movies mm-hmm. and TV shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I, and I won't go all the way back to Ozzy and Harriet, but I say Ozzy and Harriet all the way up to um i don't know seinfeld and uh i you know i live east of the river and um i see a lot of people struggling working really hard going through um uh, a lot of issues and pain you know with you know this, this whole drug thing is going on now and yeah. you know there we just had uh information come out about suicide rate yeah. and mortality rates among um, among white people. And I think, you know, there's something racialized behind this term, um, normal America. And I think mm-hmm. that term obscures a lot of pain that a lot of people across the board are going through and a lot of struggles that people are having.
2: Yeah, and I, I like to, in a lot of ways, um, replace normal for typical, right? I mm-hmm. think that, um, for instance, right, um, this past summer, my boyfriend and I, who's from Cody, Wyoming, we did a road trip, and uh, if I was going by, you know, the sociological uh, de- definition of normal, I was not normal when I was driving through <laughs> North Dakota, or South Dakota, or Montana, or Wyoming. Um, but I was thinking the same thing, but with the with this, you know, thinking the same thing of the people that I was afraid to walk into gas stations with. Right? Wow, this is just not normal. And you're right that there is something racialized about that Um, and I think if we can sort of divorce that idea um, and we can sort of start seeing that New Haven is really the standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can all start being more like New Haven. I mean, I think
1: New Haven is the beneficiary, if that's the right word, word of a kind of a statistical quirk. I was thinking about this a little bit more. Yeah. And being the political geek that I am, I was thinking about election primary results. Mm-hmm. So what happened in the Connecticut primaries was that Hillary Clinton won two two kinds of areas. One of them uh, was uh, very wealthy areas, uh, places like Greenwich and stuff like that. And she won by overwhelming margins. Right. She didn't win very many towns, but when she won, she won big. And then, then she also won really big in the cities. And she would win, once again, by overwhelming margins, huge margins in places like Bridgeport uh, and, and Hartford, sometimes almost doubling uh, the number that Bernie Sanders had. And New Haven was kind of anomalous. Uh, she won, but it was, first of all, it was the biggest voter turnout of anywhere in Connecticut. Uh, 16,000 uh, votes in that Democratic primary. She, she got about nine he got about seven um, and and you didn't see that anywhere else that kind of closeness so what are you seeing well you're seeing she uh, does well according to one of the the urban data guy uh, she does well um, <laughs> with uh, middle-class blacks in particular so you've got um, a city like New Haven that has a black population a middle-class black population she's gonna do really well there but it's also got this student population well mm-hmm. you know a pretty white student population uh, that's gonna go for Bernie so in some ways the number, you know, I mean, I think, first of all, it's great that people are if people understand that these northeastern cities often do have compositions that more closely track the real look of and feel of America. But probably New Haven benefited from this weird little thing. You know, I mean, it yeah. would it would be yeah. an urban city where Hillary Clinton doubled Bernie Sanders's vote, except mm-hmm. there's this kind of anomalous population that's sitting, you know, a rock's throw away from here. It's It's, it's Yale, right?
2: And Quinnipiac, since I'm a little. And, and yeah. yeah.
1: Didn't mean it just <laughs> be um, All right, so uh, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about, since it's, I hope we do uh, some recommendations about how to enjoy this incredibly normal uh, city here, but uh, recommendations about all kinds of things when we come back. New
4: Haven, Connecticut, what a great, great city.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, New Haven, a fine, fine. Please they got the Ivy League college they do.
0: It's Yale University. Lots of smart people. They learn a lot of stuff. And they get...
2: Today's extremely normal show was produced by
4: Jonathan McPance and me, Kyone Wolf. Greg Hill tweets for us at WNPR Colin and the part of Bill Curry was played by Kanye West. For show pages, articles, and a one-hour video of the Here and Now staff
0: making lemonade, go to our website, wnpr.org. On Monday's show, we look at the Connecticut backstory and the international ties of Donald Trump's most important advisor. And now, back to Colin.
1: That's right. Donald Trump, in his uh, quest, uh, has recruited a guy who's a supreme and superlative political insider. Uh, He's a guy who comes from a three-generation construction family uh, in Connecticut. Uh, He's from that second generation. But he became a national and then international political operative uh, with some pretty interesting stories um, that go along with that. So that's one of the stories we'll be telling you on Monday, on the Monday Scramble. Right now, we're here in the New Haven studios on Audubon Street in an incredibly normal New Haven. Uh, Mercy Quay is with us. She's a freelance journalist and an activist in New Haven and the founder of The Narrative Project. Kate Russian is a poet, writer, and educator. Uh, Brian Slattery is the arts editor uh, for the New Haven Independent. And I should say a musician with a band, somebody who will probably be writing a better New Haven song than the one that, that played us out. What's the name of your band again?
3: <laughs> oh my god. It has a ridiculously long name. No, we can say it. We okay. If we have five minutes. Yeah. Uh, the Dr. Catterwall's Cadre of Clairvoyant Claptraps. All right. Oh yeah, so, I've heard of you. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. so hey. they, will, they will be coming up with
1: a sort of Vulcan sounding New Haven uh, song. <laughs> um, Alright, so we're going to make some recommendations here. So uh, Brian, since uh, you have the floor right now, uh, make some recommendations
3: um since especially since we're here in new haven the the recommendation i feel like i should make is um that everyone should listen to this album called broken bone ballads which is by a hip-hop artist named chesky which is spelled c-e-s-c-h-y-c-h-i um and broken bone ballads has the distinction of being the album that got me to stop listening incessantly to black messiah and listen to something else (laughs) It came out about two months afterward, and I I thought maybe that would be the album I'll listen to all year, and mm-hmm. then and then Broken Bone Ballads came out, mm-hmm. and I started listening to that incessantly, mm-hmm. and it has the it has uh it's it, you know he 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 is uh he's from here in New Haven, and he he's he's one of he's one of those people who tours constantly, mm-hmm. um so he's he's not here very much, but this this album is uh is a real sort of encapsulation of what the guy is about. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's, and like a lot of things I've been talking about, I like. Mm-hmm. It's really multi-genre. You know, it's it's sort of grounded in hip-hop, but it pulls in, you know, everything from, uh, uh, you know, your your sort of like f- almost folkish thing to some more punk stuff to even, uh, there's a song that sounds vaguely like a Burt Bacharach. Mm. Well,
1: he's from New Haven, it's, so he's a regular guy. Yeah, he's a regular <laughs> guy. So uh, is it available on title Because they have a subscription to
3: title? Um, for, like, let's see, where would you get it? I mean, it's definitely, if you, if you Google him, his how, band yeah. campaign okay. will show up. And he also runs a record label that he Say okay. you know, that, the title one more time. On. Uh,
1: Broken Bone Ballads. All right, so type that into title and see if you yeah. get it. Uh, you'll get it somewhere. Kate Roshan, what have you got for us?
0: All right, I like to endorse The Big Read. I'm involved with it this year. It's a program of the National Endowment of the Arts in conjunction with libraries all over the country to encourage us to read. And uh, Hartford Big Read selection this year is Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, one of the most acclaimed novels of the 20th century and inspiring to many artists, including Bruce Springsteen and Rage uh, Against the Machine and many others. And I'm going to be leading a discussion at the main branch of the Hartford Public Library this coming Thursday, May 12th. That's 500 Main Street. And, you know, it's it's a big read. It's like a 455-page book, but it is on CD, and uh, there is a 100-page English language learner uh, edition. And the movie is great, the movie uh, 1939 John Ford movie uh, starring Henry Ford. So I'd recommend that. And for my New Haven connection, Mm. I've got a shout out to the New Haven International Festival of Arts and Ideas, Mm. which is coming up in June. And people can get more information by going to artidea.org. And George Clinton will be on the New Haven Green for free to kick it off. Well, that should be
1: good. All right. So, um, and actually also, I think there's a version of George Clinton reading The Grapes of Wrath that you can get on Tidal. So, uh, it all kind of ties together. So, uh, what have you got for us, Mercy?
2: Uh, So, I have um, New Haven endorsements and then uh, some... Uh, TV and endorsements. So the Rock to Rock ride that's happening tomorrow to celebrate Earth Day, um, that's starting at Common Ground High School and uh, bring your bike and be a part of a great cause to ride from West Rock to East Rock. Um, and then also there's the Hearts of Strangers community event that's happening tomorrow night. Um, so Rock to Rock is at 9 a.m. and the Hearts of Strangers community event is happening at 7 p.m. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to be normal strangers. So... Mm. Keep that in mind, um, and then also for my TV endorsements, if you haven't seen Underground, please, please, please check it out. It is a great um, TV show starring Johnny, Journey Smolier and produced by John Legend, and it's just an amazing story of uh, slaves in the South trying to make it to freedom. It's the first ever uh, TV show wow. about slavery. Wow! Yeah. Wow.
1: So, I'll do some New Haven endorsements, too. Uh, tomorrow, uh, if you can fit it into Rock to Rock, uh, you can come down here and go to the Incredible Farmer's Market at Worcester Square. Uh, it's actually right opposite that park over there. And it's they're got all they open for outdoor summertime stuff already, and they've got great stuff. I was there last weekend. Uh, and then, of course, you can go over to the Yale Art Gallery, which is fabulous. Go to the Dura Europas uh, area, which has... It's re- really interesting. They've kind of recreated this um, city from maybe about, what, about 200 AD, something like that. Uh, they Have as much of it as you can get there. It was an incredible crossroads in the Roman Empire. It has Roman stuff, Jewish stuff, uh, worshippers of Mithra, all kinds of stuff. And it's uh, some of it's stuff that you're actually hearing about on the news these days. There are there's a Palmyren section to it and everything. And then you're going to have lunch and it's going to be actually uh you're going to go to barracuda barracuda on chapel street which is i think a colombian restaurant yeah. and it's i really like barracuda and they have live music uh usually for um in fact dave jardina the brazilian guitarist was there with a the fiddle player last saturday uh so they have just live music at lunchtime uh they're really nice people who run it uh, it's also one of the less expensive lunches uh, in downtown new haven it's colombian food but it's like sort of you know, breakfast wraps and breakfast burritos and stuff like that. But then they bring out arepas, I think they're called. Arepas, kind of arepas, yeah, corn cakes and yucca fries and stuff like that. And it's just the place has got a good feel to it. All right, we have to go. Right, we're done. We yeah, more or less. So thanks very much to all of you who uh, came here today, and I hope uh, we can get back down here to New Haven. We've got some great nose panelists down here in New Haven, and Kate and I we don't mind driving down. So uh, that's thanks, right, to, that's right. Thanks to Jonathan McPants for getting the studio open for us and uh, for putting out together this really great show. Uh, uh, go listen to Lemonade this weekend. Like We're all endorsing Lemonade, so yeah. I mean, both the, both the drink and the music. Like a Cracker bell.
4: Yeah, we all be laughing, talking, joking, talking about this and talking about that. And talk about everything as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Talk about Torrington, Vernon, Danbury, Waterbury, yeah. Oliveberry, Woodberry, hitting on New brands. Vernon, I already said that one. Avon, Farmington, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.